Good morning, everybody. Everybody have a good Thanksgiving weekend. All right. How many people went shopping on Friday? Wow. A few brave souls out there. All right. And there's some smart ones. Just kidding. Actually, my wife tells me the smart ones go shopping because you can save a lot of money. Isn't that right, Terry? Yeah. So Anyway, welcome all of our guests and friends and family. Um, you guys from Massachusetts, hope you're enjoying the warm North Carolina weather down here over Thanksgiving. And uh, how many people went to the horse sale in Troutman on Friday? See, look at all the hands. Look, there's five people in here. We were at the horse sale. And yeah. Well, Chuck got a cart. It's really nice. So I think Neil sold a horse. Yeah, so that was that was nice. We were out taking little uh, wagon rides, carriage rides yesterday. Weather's so nice. I think it's supposed to be almost 70 degrees today. Isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be nice. Uh, all right. Um, hey, did, did you guys see that testimony about Pat Hodges? Is Pat in here this morning? Okay. About uh, she, she needed a job. Remember last week we heard some testimonies about people that recently got employment and uh, <clears throat> then we had people come up front and she was one of those people that came up front and out of 300 applicants for this position <clears throat> this week, she was chosen and got the job. So isn't that awesome? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. So that's, that's something to be really thankful. I think that's four or five people. I don't know exactly if within the past two weeks that have gotten new jobs. So. Is anybody else in here today like that? You need a job? Raise your hand. Or a better job? Alright, you guys just go ahead and stand up. You can just stay where you are, but just stand up and we're just going to go after this again. Because we believe that God, as we just proclaimed here, He's working all things together for our good. This isn't just a rote, like, you know, responsive reading. We're proclaiming this in the name of Jesus, right? So let's just reach our hands towards them, Lord. We just ask You, release jobs. Release favor upon these people, Lord. Release your provision upon them. We just release it from the heavenly realm to your kids, Lord, to your children. We're not your slaves, but we're your sons and your daughters. And we just thank you for it, Lord, and the great testimonies that will come forth in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We're standing with you guys. So we believe in that. And, uh, you know, here's the thing is, over the past several months, the, what the Lord has really been speaking to us is how to uh, navigate, if you will, the spiritual realm. Because you know, when Jesus came and said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, He's saying, now my world, heaven, is being released onto earth. So in this way, pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth now as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come now as it is in heaven. So anyway... Having said that, so this spiritual world that is primary and all around us, it's like, what are those spiritual, those principles that the Lord has instituted? Or what we call kingdom principles, that's thrown around a lot, but I want to emphasize the definition of that word kingdom being the unseen spiritual world. Usually it's unseen to us right now, um, coming to earth now. And, and so in that world, we see things happen like, as Addison mentioned, cancer being healed, where the doctor said, there's no way, you're stage four. You know, or jobs suddenly being released, provision over poverty, you know, prosperity over poverty, or deliverance over being bound up on the inside. You know, all these things are just aspects of the kingdom releases. So, 
Like, for example, uh, one that Byron taught us a while back and then was re-emphasized in his most recent um, email journal that goes out every Thursday is this principle called like attracts like. You know, which basically is just, is basically the fruits of the Spirit, the good stuff, attracts in the spiritual world good stuff, like the angelic realm. They're attracted to love and peace in your hearts and that sort of thing. Versus the works of the flesh like fear and anger and hatred as these things are emitted through us into the spiritual realm, they attract not so good stuff. <laughs> you know, like the demonic, de- demons attention and, and the like. And uh, so that's just one of the principles. Um, mo- most recently, uh, Byron's been teaching us about how to use the eyes of our hearts, the eyes of our heart in, in terms of seeing the spiritual realm and what that means, and some really practical advice on that. And uh, So I want to add to that one more principle that, um, honestly, I'm really believing God to personally grow in. <laughs> um, and, and I'm sure you, you are as well as you hear it. But, but also, I just feel like the Lord is emphasizing this for our church um, right now. And that is that our church step into this place of becoming a, a culture of honor. That we really give honor to whom honor is due. And uh, I think that, as we're going to see in a moment, biblically, we see this, this kingdom principle, okay, this spirit realm principle of honor being so powerful. And uh, so what I want to do here this morning is look at uh, a snapshot, three different instances in the life of David in, in the book of Samuel, Second Samuel, where this principle is demonstrated, okay? So, uh, I wanted to do something, though. I just feel like the Lord's urging me to do this. Because <laughs> I, I want to talk about honor, but I really want to honor my friend Donna Culler back there in the, in the sound. <laughs> she didn't know I was going to do this. But uh, Donna, can, can I embarrass you? Can you stand up for a second? I know. Yeah, this is really nice. She's like, woo, Donna. Um, no, but... Honestly, I just felt while we were worshiping Donna that the Lord was, um, I was just reminded over, I don't know, the 10 or 11 years that I've known you, how much you have made me feel accepted. And just like, I don't think it's just me. Like you have this way that you can make people feel at home and accepted and, and wanted and, and loved. And uh, that's such an honorable trait and uh that's, you know, in terms of you personally. And also, the thing that I want to honor in you is the way that you've plugged through your life. You know, you've, you've not only plugged through, but you've really um, been victorious in your life, pressing through. You know, pressing through, being single and all these things. Sometimes I'm sure you've found yourself alone a lot and just, like, you know, had these doubts and fears. But I just see a conqueror. I see a warrior inside of you. In a sense that you're going to press through until you finish the race. And, uh, and then, and then ministry-wise, I want to honor Donna because, you know, she gets here early a lot and does things and works really hard to have things in place and tweak the soundboard or whatever it is. And I know she's done other things for years that may not go noticed. You know, she's not necessarily up front here Right now, she used to sing on the worship team, but doesn't currently. But it's an honorable thing to serve even when nobody's looking or paying attention. So thanks, Donna. I just want to honor Donna. 
So honestly, if you think about David, one thing that I love about him, first of all, is that he is a manly man. You know what I'm saying? Like he was a fierce warrior, yet he was a warrior poet. You know? <laughs> My brother-in-law was telling me yesterday about one of Duke University's offensive linemen, this big 300-something-odd-pound guy who is, who's known on the team for being a composer. You know? They used to make fun of him. You know, being a football player and a composer, you know, don't really go hand in hand in today's world and our culture. But yet you find in David that very thing. You know, it's like that William Wallace thing. He's just a fierce warrior on the battlefield, yet this tenderness in his heart. You know, that he wasn't afraid to even show expression in his worship. You know, as we'll see in one instance here. But also, and probably most important for our purposes in the spirit world today, is Jesus was known as the son of David, right? He physically came from the lineage of King David. And also, David represents, under the Old Covenant chronologically, the New Covenant. I believe David was actually God's first king. Even, even though Saul was physically the first king of Israel, David was God's first kingdom, so therefore represent, as Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This spiritual world that I've lived in for eternity now comes here. So David represents that. So one interesting exercise that I could encourage you to do is read through the books of First and Second Samuel with the lens of this is the spirit world. Okay, This is our spirit world now, represented by the physical kingdom of David back however many odd thousands of years ago. Okay, it's kind of an interesting thing. It's interesting what you'll find there. But before we get, I want to, so I want to look at these three little snapshots, and they are, first of all, the death of Saul, and then secondly, uh, the return of the Lord's presence, and then third, um, this guy named Mephibosheth. Okay, and, uh, there's also, I think, those principles that we find there are found in Paul's letters in the New Testament. So that's how we'll conclude here this morning. You guys all right? All right, let's start with this. Though. Everybody knows the Ten Commandments. In terms of honor, this is probably one of the first things that comes to mind is Deuteronomy 5.16. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and then it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And in Ephesians, Paul reemphasizes this and says in Ephesians 2, 6, 2, that, that it may go well with you, that you may, he says this is actually the first commandment with a promise, right? And in the list of the Ten Commandments, it's the fifth one. So it's smack dab in the middle, but it's, it's the first commandment with promise. Now, if you think about the Ten Commandments, which we all know well and probably have heard of or learned of since we were in Sunday school or little children. Um, but what I like, the interesting thing about the Ten Commandments is Jesus' approach to the Ten Commandments. You know, like this guy comes to him one time and says, Teacher, what must I do to, to inherit eternal life? He said, well, keep all the commandments. Oh, yeah, I've done all this. You know, and, and then he kind of breaks it down for him and shows him how he actually hasn't kept all of this. You know? Um, it's, and then he, he boils all the law down into a couple of things. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. But the um, one commandment is the, you know, the one about keeping the Sabbath. And for so many centuries, 
uh, the Jews and then the Christians looked at this commandment as like this physical requirement. You know, don't, don't mow your grass on Sunday or, you know, whatever it is, make sure that you have a Sabbath. And actually, the, the religious folks of the day, the Pharisees were trying to nail Jesus on this, this very thing, that he was doing these things on the Sabbath that they considered work. And he said this peculiar statement. He said, the Sabbath was not created uh, for man. I'm sorry. Man was not created for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath for man. Meaning, this is something that's going to be good for us. It's not that you have to, if you do one little ounce of work, it's going to, you know, it's, it's going to mess you up with God or something like that. So, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but if that's true for that one of the Ten Commandments, couldn't it also be true for the other nine? So what I mean by that is, when it comes to honoring our fathers and our mothers, certainly we would all be in favor of doing that physically. Like, we need to honor our parents. That's a very important thing, right? But also that in the spiritual realm, that we, bet- we bestow this concept of honor, of we honoring the things that God deems important. Finding out what the, what's on the Father's heart and honoring those things. It, if that's in your father and mother physically, great. Or in other spiritual fathers and mothers. Honor those things. Why? Because in your spiritual life, if you want to, well, be a Trekkie, live long and prosper, you know. <laughs> How many people would like for your spiritual life to prosper? And be long and, and long lasting and bear much fruit? Yeah, of course. We would all raise our hand. Well, this is the first commandment with a promise. That if we'll honor those things that God honors, then He will truly bear much fruit through our lives. Amen? Alright, now, I wrote wrote this down. Honor is a principle in the spirit world that causes us to inherit long life and prosperity in the spirit. When we honor someone for who they are, not for who they're not, We're bringing the highest honor to the Lord. It's easy to figure out what people aren't, isn't it? I've become an expert at that. I hate to say that. You know, in our hearts and our minds, criticism and and, and just looking at these little things that, well, I know they're cool and everything, but gosh, this thing just drives me crazy about them. You know, be it our spouse or our children or our friends or our co-workers, the people are around us. But through the Lord, can we find the gold that's inside of people? Can you find the gold of the people sitting in this room? Can you honor the Lord in them and what He's put in them, even if they're not a lot of stuff, you know, that we deem to be very important? I think that's so um, important. All right, let's go to 2 Samuel 1, verse 11. Leading up to this, you guys know um, in 1 Samuel, Saul, the first king of Israel, is constantly trying to eliminate his threat being the shepherd boy David that he has even come to realize is going to be the next king and uh, his successor. And uh, he's pretty insecure about his current position as king. And so he wants to kill him on a number of occasions. And, uh, you know, David's fleeing and going to live with hated enemies like the Ammonites and so on and so forth. And in a couple of situations, um, you know, David actually has a great opportunity to just take Saul out, right? And all his buddies, his, his warriors with him, 
are just like, yeah, do it, do it. I think one instance he had a, his spear, you know, right beside his head. You know, then the, the one that comes to my mind is, uh, you know, when they're hiding in a cave and Saul comes in and he, can, he sneaks up and can actually cut the edge off his robe. He's, I mean, literally right there. Could just absolutely wipe him out. But why does he not kill him? Yeah, because he's the Lord's anointed. He's recognizing the anointing that God's placed upon this man's life. And he continually says, who am I that I should do anything about that? This is up to the Lord. Now in this situation here, let's read, Then David and all the men with him took hold of their clothes and tore them. They mourned and wept and fasted till evening for Saul and his son Jonathan. So they, they have just, Saul and his son Jonathan had just been killed on the battlefield. For, for the army of the Lord and the house of Israel because they had fallen by the sword. David said to the young man who brought him the report, Where are you from? I'm the son of an alien and a Malachite, he answered. David asked him, Why were you not afraid to lift your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Okay, so basically this Amalekite finds Saul on the battlefield, and Saul's like, I'm done for, go ahead and finish me off. And so he does. And so he comes to David expecting this great reward for killing his arch rival. And then let's just keep going there. Verse 15, And David called one of his men and said, Go strike him down. So he struck him down and he died. For David had said to him, Your blood be on your own head. Your own mouth testified against you when you said, I killed the Lord's anointed. When we kill or injure each other spiritually, okay, gossip, slander, these continual things that come up in the New Testament, Paul warns against. When we injure the anointing in somebody, we're harming something or someone God is passionate about. And I think it's such a critical thing to understand and realize because it's not just the person that we're harming, you know. That's important too. They're feeling, you know, what themselves, that person. But also, we're, we're literally going after something that God's passionate about if He has put an anointing and an, and an honor on the person. And we go after that. Alright, let's look at the next situation here in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 6. And this is the famous passage where they're bringing the ark back into the city. 2 Samuel 6, verse 20, When David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, so this is David's wife, right? How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in high honor. And Michael, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Just a little side note here. Um, you may think it gets kind of wild in here, but we'll become even more undignified than this. Um, 
it, that statement he makes that I will be humiliated in my own eyes has always struck me what humility that has to be to be the king anointed coming into the city with the Lord's presence, which is what the ark is and represents today. And he is becoming so expressive in his worship that he said, oh, you think this is something, wife? You ain't seen nothing yet. I've just started to get crazy. I've just started to get wild. And where do we see that expression? In the Psalms. You know, the man David, I mean, first of all, starting in Psalm 1, he's, he's a big soaker, as we would say. He talks about meditation a lot. I think David, before his time, was really into seeking the heavenly realm. You know, because Byron was talking, I think, last week about um, the na- nature you know, and how God reveals Himself in nature and stuff. I mean, that's all over the Psalms. The heavens declare the glory of God. I mean, David started his life in the fields, sitting out under the starry sky playing music. I mean, he was majorly into the spirit world that on a widespread level hadn't even been released onto the physical planet yet. Right? Because Jesus said the kingdom of heaven has come now in his day. David was way before Jesus. So he was really tapping into something there. So, I mean, it just begs the question that if we continue to, in our hearts, be concerned about outward appearances or over-the-top expressions of worship, all we need to do is look back to the, the man David, you know, who was a man after God's own heart. And honoring that thing. That doesn't mean that we have to carry on for the sake of carrying on. But by all means, David goes over and over again about shouting to the Lord. You know, about being quiet, being still and waiting. And shouting and rejoicing in the Lord's presence. Just trying to emphasize, there is real spiritual fruit. Okay, there is power, but besides power, there's spiritual fruit as we release into the spirit world what God is wanting to release through us into the spirit world. Now that spiritual fruit can come through just being quiet and sitting still, even when everyone else is shouting. So there's not a rule here about this, per se. But at the same time, if you find yourself to be more reserved, hey, let it out a little bit every now and then. You might be surprised, not just what it does to you, but what the Lord can do through you as you release a roar, a shout, whatever you want to call it, into the spiritual atmosphere. I believe demons do flee. They tremble at the sound of His name. Amen? So it's not, again, about this physical exercise of having a wild church service or something like that. It's really, honestly, if you're new here and you know, maybe having a hard time understanding throughout the past few weeks or something. That's not what this is about. That's not why we're doing this. In fact, I would prefer not to do this if that's what it was about. It's just kind of getting wild and, you know, whatever happens. That's not what it's about. It's about, we see biblically in the spirit realm, as we respond to the Lord through these different ways of responding, things happen. Things happen in the spirit realm. And so one of my points here is that David found these secrets here. 
Now, in, in the situation of his wife, Michael, it says in the last verse we read that she had no children to the day of her death. So honor produces fruitfulness, as I'm talking about spiritual fruit, but dishonor produces barrenness spiritually. You know, so none of us want to be fruitless in our spiritual lives, right? We want to have spiritual daughters and sons. We want to bear spiritual fruit. Well, honor is one of the big keys in that. All right, let's go to the last um, instance here in Mephibosheth. Say that five times real fast. Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. A very interesting character here in Second Samuel. Basically, from what I understand here, I could be reading this wrong, somewhat of a forgotten. Okay, at one time, he was the grandson of the king. So, he was Jonathan's son. So he may have lived in or around the palace, you know, wherever the king was. You know, he was dining probably at the king's table, King Saul that is. A very important young man. But there was something about Mephibosheth is he was a cripple. He was um, disabled in both feet, the Bible says. And um, so when David comes to the throne and Saul and his father Jonathan are dead... I would think that Mephibosheth would basically kind of pack it in for his life. Like, well, it's fun while it lasted, but it's over. You know, dad's dead, granddad's dead, our kingdom, our time's up. And uh, I'll just kind of hide over here and hopefully David won't kill me because he hated my grandfather. And, you know, I can just kind of cruise on through and have a nice life. But yet, let's read what happens here, and then um, we're going to do something here. David asks, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? The house of Saul. So still, even after Saul had died, and David didn't kill him, but he died on the battlefield from a foreign army, David is still looking to bestow honor upon this man and upon the, 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 the office of the king. So he's asking this question. And uh, now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They called him to appear before David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? There's a nice name for your next child. Ziba. Your servant, he replied. The king asked, is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? the king asked. Ziba answered, He's at the house of Machir, son of Amiel in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied. Don't be afraid. <laughs> so he had right to be a little bit shaken. David said to him, For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What's your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? My time's up. Why are you doing this? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. 
You and your sons and your servants are to, are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. So honor goes beyond what is required and goes into um, above and beyond what's required or expected. It's like he had no reason to do this. Mephibosheth was definitely not expecting it. Yet, that's exactly what David did. Did you want to say something? When the Lord started speaking to me about honor, it was how many of us know that I have this little thing that says, home is where you get to live out what you love to talk about. You know, and I love that saying. It's sitting right on my windowsill. And um, the Lord really started speaking to me about honor actually through this little book right here. See that little guy on there? It was because I was looking to figure out how to help my kids with their whining and complaining. <laughs> and the head of this book says, Say goodbye to whining and complaining and bad, bad attitudes in you and your kids. And what the whole book was going about was honor. And it was so good because I realized that the Lord was coming after me in honor and honoring each other, starting with my husband and my kids and then on out from there and really honoring one another and how there's a difference between respect and honor, and the Lord spoke to me about this in worship, too, and what David did when he was dancing, even undignified, you know, was because the, the, there's one thing to respect God for who He is in this position that He holds in your life. It's one thing to respect your parents for who they are and the position they hold in, their, in, in your life. It's one thing to respect your husband because he's your husband and you're supposed to respect him. It's a whole other thing to honor the Lord, to honor your parents, to honor your husband, to honor your friends that are beside. And, and that is because they're valuable. It's saying, I am saying, God, you are valuable. And I'm going to go past what's expected and give you more. I'm going to go past what's expected in worship and I'm going to pour it all out on your feet, Lord. I'm going to say, Lord, I want to honor you. And that's why I believe that's the realm that that, that David was stepping into when he was, he was laying it all out there. You know, he was worshiping and he didn't, he was not going to care even what his wife thought at that moment because he wanted to honor the Lord with everything that's within him. And that, there's this definition in here of honor and it's helped me so much and it says, treating people as special, doing more than what's expected yeah. and having a good attitude about it. And, what I realized is the Lord's been speaking to me about as we give to one another that, we, that there really is something in the heavenly realm that's going to be released as we do this. That this really is, there's a doorway here in the heavenly realm that we can really access a storehouse in heaven that will release everything we need and that we can access when we need it. Mm-hmm. And, but... One thing that he was speaking to me about is it's time to give 
still it hurts. It's time to give, go past what's expected and give past that. And one thing that I've realized is when you're honoring each other, when you're giving to one another, you really do have to face this one thing, and that's fear of not having enough. And that, it's like it comes square up in your face. And it's not just in your money. It's in your time. Mm-hmm. It's in your energy. There, all of a sudden, this opportunity for you to give, whether it be money, whether it be your time, whether it be your energy... All of a sudden, as soon as that opportunity comes and it's over, over and beyond what's expected and what's normal, this thing goes, I'm not going to have enough. If I give this, I'm not going to have enough. If I give this money, when I'm given, when it hurts, I'm talking about. I'm giving over what's expected, over what's just sitting there, you know. When I give like that, this thing comes forward and says, you ain't going to have enough for tomorrow. What you giving that for? Or, my mom informed me, when you get older, it comes to your energy. And, well, with me, with kids, it happens right now. I'm not going to have enough. If I give you this energy, I ain't going to have enough energy for them. You know? And, but it's like the Lord's saying to me in the middle of that, if you will tap into this and you will give it as you give unto me, I have a storehouse in heaven that is full of more than enough for you. And you will, there will be a release of more than enough. But what is happening is the enemy's coming and he's trying to, to deceive you into thinking that all that you see right now, you see right here around you, you are feeling, is all you've got and that's it. You've got to ration it. The Lord's saying, it's time to pour out more than enough. When, when Mary came and broke her alabaster jar and poured it all out on the feet of Jesus, everybody, there were people around her going, what are you doing? We could have spent that. We could have gotten a lot of money for that. But see, she was honoring the Lord mm. there. She was pouring out what she had right there on the feet of Him, washing His feet with everything she had. And the Lord was honored there. Mm. He was honored. You know, and so I just believe that you'll come into situations in your life where you have an opportunity to honor one another. And that's honoring people for who they are, not what they're not. It's honoring them. And when the Lord says, give, give it. I'll provide for your tomorrow. But right now, give this. And know that tomorrow I will release. There's a storehouse in heaven. And that, and that we don't have to come under that. Also, we don't have to come under that spirit that wants to come on, on us. That, that the... Um, elder brother thing that like the prodigal son story where he was going what you doing giving all that to him I like that I like that to happen to me and the father says well everything I have has been yours it always has the Lord in heaven the father in heaven will say to you everything I have is yours you don't have to hoard to yourself You don't have to worry about not giving to the person honor where honor's due Mm. next to you. Not getting excited with them when something great is happening for them, when the Lord's downpouring on them. Don't worry. Jump right in there. Get excited with them. Because your Father in Heaven has a storehouse 
up in heaven that you can access anytime you need it. And he's got plenty more than enough than you need of joy, peace, finances, energy, you know, anything you need. There's a storehouse and we need to tap into it. And we need to give to one another and honor mm. one another in this time. That's good. So, yeah, I mean, so David found value in Mephibosheth that, I mean, I don't think anybody else in the kingdom saw value. I mean, I, there was nobody coming to David going, oh, there's this grandson of Saul, you better get him. You know, David found value in a cripple. Why? Why? What value? Because he was tapped into the spiritual realm and he could see this high-level principle of honor. You know, and, and so many times we even read the New Testament like another form of do's and don'ts instead of these spiritual principles that really take us somewhere in the spirit world. Like, for example, just like uh, David honored Saul as king, uh, Paul says in Romans 12.10, <clears throat> be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. You know? And then just as David honored the Lord's presence when he brought the, the ark back in to the, to the uh, city, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Now, the church has put a lot of things, a lot of emphasis on this scripture for different purposes that they've wanted to use this for. But I, I think the primary thing here is just as David honored the ark as maintaining the Lord's presence, so we honor our bodies as being the habita- habitation of the Lord's presence. Amen. And then last, um, also just as he found value and honored Mephibosheth, Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 12 in 21 and saying, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body. That's us. He's talking about the church here, you know. Has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So again, in maintaining a culture of honor in a local congregation, in a local church such as this, it's important that we really understand this principle here as it's contained in terms of the body of Christ being the local church that, you know, there's as much honor to be given to the person doing the slightest little thing. You know, whether it's changing baby's diapers or, you know, whatever it is, taking out the trash, as there is to be given to the person up front. You know, God bestows even greater honor on the least presentable of the parts. You know? Um, so, hey man, let's pray. And, <clears throat> yeah.
this one last thing is it may seem like this is like a detail in your life. But this is what the Lord's been speaking to me is He's paying attention to the details right now. Yeah. He really yeah. is. He's playing... He, He's paying attention. He wants us to pay attention to some details. And He is paying attention to the details of our lives. And that can be in a great way. It can be in a great way like this. This is how He spoke this to me. I really didn't have enough money the other day for my kids to get these costumes that they needed for um, this thing, play at the um, at MCA. And I had a choice at the moment. I really wanted to have a fit. I wanted to, on my insides, just have a pity party. But then it was like the Lord said, just get dressed, get your son, and go to Goodwill. And I was like, I was just, but I did it. And I decided I'm going to get dressed. I know I ain't got quite the money right this minute, but we're going to go to Goodwill and we're going to see if we can find something. Got into Goodwill, and there was a, they had to have these jackets and with tails, to, to, like a tuxedo coat, for two little boys. I mean, you just don't find those with tails. So they said to put, find the, just go ahead and find the jackets and we'll cut tails on them and everything. So I got to Goodwill and I looked all through the men's jackets and I couldn't, I mean the men's jackets, because they didn't have any little kids' jackets that had. And I looked through and, in, and crammed in there. I thought, saw something that was little, so I pulled it out. I looked at it, and it had tails. Judah tried it on. It was perfect for Judah. So then we were going around the rest of Goodwill trying to find something for Gabe because we knew he was going to be really mad if Judah got home and he had the tails on his jacket exactly what he needed and Gabe didn't have anything. But right before we left, we couldn't find anything. Right before we left, I said, I'm just going to go back over those jackets and look through and see if I can find something that would fit him. We'll cut the tails later. I went back in there, was cramming through all the jackets real carefully. I saw something again this time. And, you know, just kind of crammed back in there. I grabbed it out. It had tails on it. And it was exactly Gabe's size. It was smaller than Judah's. I was like, I mean, Judah was like, that's God. I mean, you just, you just knew it was God. So we left there. I think we left there. And I knew I had to go by. Oh, yeah. They were supposed to be $11 each. We got to the, the cash register and she said, are these child, children's jackets? I was like, well, I mean, they fit these little kids. They were in the men's, but they fit these little kids. She knocked them down to $3 each. I had that. I could do $6 for two perfect coats. And then we went to the grocery store and I knew I needed to get a few things. And I knew I had some cash. Okay, see, this was some cash in my wallet. This is important. This was some cash in my wallet that I had. So I went in the grocery store and just grabbed my few things that I needed. I really wasn't paying attention to how much money I had. I got to the, the register, and she said, 12.58. And I was like, oh, gosh, I hope I have that in my wallet. And I checked in there, the cash, $12. I was like, ooh, I hope I have the 58 in my ca- the change purse. I opened up my change purse. It didn't look like 58 cents, but I thought, Lord, you're going to have to meet me. So I grabbed it out here, and I counted it out. It was 58 cents to the penny. Not one penny more, not one penny less. But the Lord was saying, I care about your details. I care about the details. And so I want to say to you, the Lord cares about the details. 
He cares about the details of your life, but He also, when He speaks little things like honor, and it's not a little thing, it's a big thing. This is a detail the Lord wants us to get. Let us honor Him. Let us honor one another. Let us go past what's expected and give till it hurts because it won't hurt in the long run. There'll be, there'll be an outpouring when we grab hold of what God has and we will have more than enough to be able to give. So, let's just stand up real quick. So Lord, we honor You. We honor You, Lord. I thank You that You care about the details of our lives, Lord God. I thank You that You are working in us to take us further, to take us deeper, to take us higher with You, Lord God. And we want to grab hold of Your hand. And by Your grace, Lord, by Your grace, You got us. You got us on in to more of You, Lord God. So, Lord, I just ask, Lord, that You would just release a download into each one of our hearts, Lord, of more than enough, more than enough, Lord God, that revelation that You are our Father. You have more than enough for us, Lord God. You have more than enough, Lord God, and that You really would release a desire in our hearts to honor You, to honor each other in everything we do, Lord God, and that this would just be a breakthrough. There would be breakthroughs, Lord, in our relationships. There would be breakthroughs with our parents, Lord God. I ask you, Lord, for anybody in this room, Lord God, that is having trouble in their families, Lord God, that you would release revelation, revelation of ways we can honor one another, Lord, and that you would bring breakthroughs in our families, Lord God. Breakthroughs in our families. Breakthroughs, Lord God. Breakthroughs. Lord, more, more, more of your spirit more of your presence. Let it rain down. More of your grace. More of your mercy, Lord God. And in our relationships with one another, Lord God, that as we step forth, Lord, as we desire to honor one another for who we are and for who each person is and not what they aren't, Lord God, but that you would give us those eyes to see, eyes to see the things that you are honoring in each other, Lord God, and that it would just release blessings, blessings over and abundance, over and abundance. That you would bless each person in here, Lord God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if anybody needs any prayer individually, we want we'll have our, our team up here um, just to pray with you. And if you need any prayer for healing, just come forth. If you want, if you have never come into a real relationship with the Lord and you want to come and really we'll pray with you to really come into a relationship with Jesus for yourself. Just be blessed. You're released.